Welcome back in on the Sound the Horde podcast. We're here with, um, this is Danny. I'm here with Riley and Ben. We're excited to jump in this week and talk a little bit more about what we have in store and what we saw this week in sports. So this week we had a little bit of a crazy story. I know some of you might've seen this. I know us Dodger fans, we were pretty interested in watching this game. I was actually, I was, I had this game on while I was working sitting watching Clayton Kershaw's first start of the season. I'm like, great, Minnesota, cold game, not really expecting much. And Clayton's throwing this perfect game all the way up through the seventh inning. And then he gets pulled out of the game. So yes, we, we are going to start a new segment on the show that we are calling Sounding Off, right? And so... Basically what this is, we're going to just take an opportunity just to sound off on something that we we saw. This is our rant opportunity. So Riley, I'm going to hand it over to you. I know you wanted to sound off about Clayton Kershaw's perfect game that wasn't. So go ahead. All sound right. off. So yeah, I first off respect to Clayton Kershaw um, all year coming into this year, he get just trashed by people he's washed up he doesn't have it all he knows how to do is get injured he can't do the job and in his opening start he comes out perfect through seven innings I was absolutely floored that they pulled him I could understand but he was at 80 pitches and I understand he's he's 34 years old you're in Minneapolis it's cold whatever the dude's at 80 pitches and he's throwing a perfect game through seven I respect him for not punching the manager in the face when he comes out, like comes to tell him that he's getting out of that game because you would have had to wrestle that ball out of my hand in that situation. I could not believe they did that to him. He was on track to throw the 24th perfect game in history and you don't give him that chance. I mean, I don't, I do not see a point where that is the correct move. Like I get it. Save the arms all of that great stuff. I don't care if he doesn't have to pitch for a month after that. The dude has a chance to make history that 23 people have done ever. You don't pull him away from that. That's ridiculous. He, he's already been close to it. He was one error from a perfect game a, a few years back. What was that in 2014? And now he's got a chance to go perfect. And you pull him in that situation. Like we're getting too wrapped up on saving and all this kind of stuff. And it gets over analytical. The analytics are getting too much. And I think that's what this is a part of. Oh, if he throws too many pitches, he's never going to recuperate. Like, like I said, I don't care if the guy has to not pitch for a month, give him the ball, let him go out and compete. He loses it, pull him out, like whatever, but let the guy go compete. He's showing and proving to you why he's worth every bit of hype and every bit of everything you've put into him. Not a good call. I do not agree with it whatsoever. I respect him for backing up his manager and his organization. I don't believe him. I think he's just kind of a liar. Like, I love him. I think he was lying through his teeth when he said, yeah, it was the right call. Like, I I felt good about it. There's no way. Like, I don't see any competitive pitcher ever feeling good about that situation. He might respect it and go with it because he feels like it's the right decision or whatever and he feels like they were just trying to do what was best for him but at the end of the day that guy wanted to go throw that perfect game once again history was about to be made 
and we did not give him that opportunity. I think it was bogus. I don't know. Yeah, I, lots of emotions there, Ben. What do you? What did you think? Dude, I can't hear you. That's because I had my mic muted. Can we hear me now? My bad. We can hear boy, old guy. Way to fill your purpose. Uh, I don't think Riley was sounding off nearly loud enough. I don't know how you pull a guy after a perfect game after pitching 80 pitches. I mean, it, it makes absolutely zero sense. It's the reason... That as much as I love Dave Roberts for what he did for the Red Sox, he's a complete bum as a manager, and he has been because he relies on these analytics and all this garbage, and he can only win a World Series when it's in this JV softball season. Other than that, he has proven himself time and time again to be a complete bum and a moron, and you can't live that moment down. One game in April does not a season make, but one perfect game can be the difference for a pitcher being memorized, remembered forever, and Clayton Kershaw was, had that stripped away from him. Would he have made it? I don't know, but he wasn't given that chance, and for no good reason. Okay, so I'm going to bring up three things. First of all, we have 80 pitches, 80. Nolan Ryan once pitched 235 pitches in a game, almost three times this many, 235. Are you kidding me? Man up. Second of all, another guy by the name of Ray Caldwell was struck by lightning while pitching in 1919 and got back on the mound and pitched. He was knocked unconscious. What are we raising here? We can't be raising kids these days. Last but not least, speaking of kids, this kid by the name of Henry Rowan Gardner once slipped on a baseball and no longer could throw a fastball, and he still went out there in 1994 and led the Cubs to the pennant. All right? That's what I'm going to bring it out, and I'm done. Yeah, I mean, if we want Clayton to go up and soft toss, I guess we could We could the have The floater, dude, the floater. It made history. Yeah, I I was thinking about this. All right, I'm going to meander a little bit in my response to y'all, but I'll I'll get to the point. Just just bear with me for a second. So the So I was I while I was on my air, my my flight, I'm I was on a flight yesterday morning. My screen wasn't working in the on the airplane because I don't know, Delta and by the way, it sucked that I flew in the morning yesterday instead of the afternoon, because then I still had to wear the mask. If I had flown in the afternoon, I'd have been good. But anyway, my flight home, I won't have to wear a mask, which will be, which will be nice. I'll be able to breathe a little bit. But while I was on the flight, the screen didn't work. So I had to turn to the iPad and find something that I had recorded on the iPad ready to go. Rough life. Which was probably know. like frozen. All right. So what I had on there, Moneyball. All right, so I'm, 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 I'm working there. What hit me as I was watching Moneyball and I'm watching the show and I was thinking about this Clayton Kershaw situation is that when you got in with the way that they started to move is that they took all emotion out of the decision making of the game. It goes straight to over the long haul. We're going to make these decisions. We're going to play the analytics here. And that's, that is what is going to get us to the wins that we're looking for 
by not making rash decisions based on what's happening in the moment. So I think about the Clayton Kershaw situation. It's the first game of the year. The guy's coming off of an injury to his elbow, right? Elbow stiffness. He wasn't available in the playoffs last year. Had you had Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs last year, the Dodgers probably go to the World Series and they might win it, right? So you're talking a game in April, first game of the season. His simulated game, he had only pitched up to 75 pitches in a simulated game so far up to that point. You had a shortened, shortened spring training. He, he didn't really throw at all prior to spring training coming up because he's trying to rest his elbow. They had already made a decision before the game that he was going to max out at 70 pitches. They let him go to 80, right? And I, so like that was the plan going into the game. And the way that the Dodgers make decisions is that they strip it all of emotion and they look at the bigger picture. Clayton Kershaw's goal is a World Series championship. He had the opportunity for a perfect game, but he's he was saying, you know what? What's more important here is that I make sure that I'm healthy and I'm ready come October, and I'm not going to do something to potentially injure my arm and make myself unavailable. Now, all of that sounds great, and on paper, you can justify it, and it makes sense to win a championship. Here's where I'm going to agree with you all. We have lost the, the sports as we have become more analytic driven and more focused on taking the emotion out of decision-making and thinking about what's happening in the long run and using the statistics and doing all of this. We've lost what makes sports great. And what makes sports great is the emotion that comes into it. As fans, we're highly emotional. We want to see that come through. We want to see that play out. And we were robbed of that opportunity by Clayton Kershaw being pulled out of the game. Was it the right decision? Probably. Was it, did it hurt baseball and did it hurt us as fans? Yes. And I think those two things can be true at the same time. If you're thinking about what's best for the Dodgers, what's best for the Dodgers was for Clayton Kershaw to not over pitch on his first game of the year and potentially injure himself. But as fans, we were robbed of a magical moment by him coming out of the game. I think Clayton Kershaw was robbed of a magical moment because that's something that not many pitchers. What does he have to prove? He doesn't have anything else to prove. The Dodgers were robbed of a magical moment. I watched a movie since we're going to start bringing up movies all of a sudden because that's what matters in life about some nine minute story you you started it with the rookie of the year reference you're right that's my bad (laughs) kevin costner movie that perfect game does not just belong to clayton kershaw that belongs to his catcher to his fielders who fielded the ball all day they didn't commit an error not an error no errors they got to balls that they probably shouldn't have got to. That goes for that team that is not just that pitcher. His name goes down in the record books. This is a boneheaded, dumb, stupid thing that we let, that the Dodgers let happen, and I've lost all respect for Dave Roberts for this. You have it wasn't to a Dave Roberts decision. I like, don't this care was a whether decision it was Dave Roberts. Then he needs to man up. Prior to then he needs to man up. Because no, this that's was a how mutual decision done. with it everybody in the organization. I don't care. They decided this before the it game doesn't even matter. started. Take call an audible. I do don't the care. Job. He had a perfect game. 23 other people in history have done that. 23. 
And he had that opportunity, and you took it away for some garbage, and you tell me about Moneyball, that the A's have won nothing since of Moneyball. Moneyball does yes, not win analytics, championships. But that does not do anything. You can't win games that way. Games are won on emotion. Games are won by Big Poppy championships. Literally, I just, I'll bring it up later, but the 2013 Red Sox literally won an entire season championship, none, nothing but emotion. They didn't have the talent to win. They weren't the best team. And all they did was fight for that city and what happened at the Boston Marathon, and they literally won a championship based off of pure emotion. And one guy standing up there in the middle of April after they got back and said, this is our effing city. That's what happens. That's emotion. And this is why I can't respect Dave Roberts ever, because this is not the first time he's made this mistake. And he was part of the Red Sox winning on emotion. Analytics don't tell you ever that a team's going to win four games in a row. Don't what give is me that what, garbage. What is the goal at the start of the season? It doesn't matter. Who cares? You know what happens? Well, it doesn't matter to win a championship playoffs, because if you're like, don't make let's make it, let's have a parade. Like, Guess that's what the happens goal. at the end of the that's year? That's the goal. Clayton Kershaw walked away with a perfect game. Do I say he got there? No. But guess what? We don't know. He got that. He had that opportunity taken away by a selfish manager in a selfish front office that is only looking out for their bottom line and their whatever else. And if they looked at it, they would actually see that what they're doing is losing because what they're going to do is losing fans. They're losing a Dodger fan here. I was a Dodger fan for a long time. Now, granted, I'm a Red Sox fan first. But this is the kind of stuff that has made me not like to root for the Dodgers. It happened in 17. It happened in 18. It happened in 19. It's the same garbage by the same manager in the same front office, and you're losing fans because fans want to see this stuff happen. And I The think- odds of you still winning a, a world championship from right now if Clayton Kershaw got hurt or not, are not any different right now than they were before that game. You gave that, you lost that opportunity. I'm going to hop in with Ben where the analytics are not enough. They might get you there during the year, but look at what the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, look at the, not the Devil Rays, the Rays. Look what the Tampa Bay Rays did in 2020 and is the reason they lost. They went with the analytics, and it ended up hurting them in the end. Sometimes a gut-wrenching, emotional performance is what is needed to win championships. And if you're not willing to be the, to be the organization and let your guys go do that, it hurt the Dodgers, like Ben said, the years before. And it ultimately, if they keep making decisions like that, it's going to hurt the Dodgers. And I think it hurt the Dodgers to not have Clayton Kershaw finish that, at least try to finish that perfect game. I was not a fan. I was upset and as a Dodgers fan it's frustrating because Clayton Kershaw is my idol I'm a left-handed pitcher I've always idolized that guy and he did not get a chance to meet the very top of performance of a pitcher's career that to me he can win championships that's great but he is never going to to forget throwing a perfect game if that were to happen and no one will ever forget that yeah, but I, I think if you look at it from this way, this perspective, like Clayton went into that game with the understanding, and, and he said this, he's like, I wasn't going to pitch 100, 100, 100 pitches. Like he wasn't ready to do that. He hadn't prepared himself to do that. You're doing that on 35 degree weather in Minnesota in April. He's, he understands the bigger picture it's hard for us as fans to see that and understand it. But I think he also wins a few points in the locker room of being able to say, look guys, I'm in it for the championship here. I could have had this perfect game. 
I'm going to go through and follow the advice of the training staff, the management, all of this to make sure that I'm healthy for the postseason. Because what happened last year, we tried to ride, the Dodgers tried to ride the coattails of Max Scherzer in the playoffs and go off of pure emotion. And what ended up happening? He had a dead arm at the end. He couldn't pitch, right? Like you've got to be smart. There's got to be a balance in here of, yes, we want to see this performance, but we also have to think about the health of the players and what, what that's going to mean for the long term of the season. I think we get to the point as fans, and we saw this in the Olympics with Simone Biles, where we wanted she she was struggling mentally with being able to put things out there and stepped away for the sake of her health. And there was a lot of people that had an adverse reaction to that because what do we want to see? We want to see athletes gut through. We want to see athletes go out there and put on a performance. We want to see them like a lot of times we don't think of these people as human beings. What we want to see is these big emotional superhero type performances coming out of there. And I think Clayton understands like my body has limitations. Like he can't do this forever. And he wants to make sure that he's healthy because the championship is the ultimate goal. He doesn't have much else to prove individually. He's already either the greatest or the second greatest Dodger in history. He's a first ballot hall of famer. He wants another ring. That's why he came back. And I think it's, it's hard for us to see in the moment, but I think like you've, We've got to think beyond just we could get a perfect game here. What are the potential ramifications that could have happened because of that? You, What happens when he walks across the street and stubs his toe on the sidewalk? I mean, we could sit on that all day. My point being is you've sat here on this podcast many, many times over the last few weeks and sat there and uttered the words, this is a TV show. This is a TV show. Well, you know what? That was a sucky TV show. That is a terrible TV show and a terrible thing to do to the people that are paying your salaries. Without us, the fans, Clayton Kershaw has no money. The owners have no money. Dave Roberts has no money. They make their money off of us, the fans. So you better go out and win a world championship this year because if you don't, we'll have a different discussion in October because none of this makes any sense. Analytics, man up and be a man because you know what it does to me? It tells me as much as I love Clayton Kershaw that you're not man enough to go out there and give an effort you end up with a dead arm whatever take three weeks off i don't care you man up there and you show and things can change just because we had this plan out in the beginning of the game who cares go suck it world happens pandemics happen coronavirus happens do you think other businesses don't have to call audibles on a daily basis i work in a business where we have a plan every day about what's going to happen for the day guess what it never happens that way something always happens Man up, go give it some effort. I don't care about no Simone Biles. She ain't getting paid Clayton Kershaw money. She's not considered one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Go out there. She's one of the greatest gymnasts, but they don't get paid the same level as pitchers. That's my point. She's not getting the Kershaw money. And it is what it is. It's a show. Show me something. Give me the reason that I am providing my hard-earned money to you buying products for you that are putting money in your pocket and your families and millions of dollars because otherwise why am i doing it why am i watching sports you know why i watch sports because of the big poppies of the world to the kurt shillings of the world who go out there after having surgery on his ankle and pitch seven innings in the alcs and then does it again in the world series that's why I watch. That's why I'm a fan, not for the guy that, oh, I pitched too long and my poor elbow needs a Band-Aid on it because I need to ice my elbow. 
Like I had to pitch. I couldn't only pitch seven innings. And I don't think it's Kershaw's fault, but it's the same thing. And you're dumb. One random game in April is not a championship make. And you've lost your mind if you're trying to tell me. You're right. A random game in April doesn't make a championship. So why risk it? But guess what? It could have made a perfect game, which is something only 22 other guys in this world can say that they've ever done at that level of baseball. Move hey, on. If it's, I'm as done. Far as any- I'm out. You don't make no sense at all. You have lost your ever-loving mind if you believe that that was the right move. There is no way in the world that you could ever convince me one way or the other that that was the right move. You have literally lost your mind if you believe that. Hey, as far as entertainment, Kershaw pitches a perfect game. Uh, we might give it a couple minutes on this show. He gets pulled. Man, we're we're 15 minutes in here on this. You know, like... It's giving us content. It's it's content I wish I didn't have to rant about and have to have <laughs> these upset feelings about, but yes, I all right. Anyways, well, hey, by the that way, was I, our... I've kind of lost my voice over the last few days before, and I'm just getting it back. I, I couldn't like tell. Losing, I feel like I'm losing it again. So yeah. I apologize to all the listeners, but I am very passionate about this topic. Even though I'm not a Dodgers fan, it doesn't make any sense to me. Love you. Yeah, yeah for the re- rest of the show, Ben is going to be our pony because he's a little horse so what on that That's, note dad jokes terrible no, i great. didn't know those were making the podcast yeah it, it just it had its first introduction but there we're we going to close out our first ever segment of sounding the horn so thanks for letting us rant sorry guys like i some, someone's got to be contrarian over here so you know we got to throw it out there we're going to jump into um our next segment for our episode today, which is we're going to play a little bit of this or a little bit of that. So I'm going to give you a couple of options here. Each of you get an opportunity to pick which of these you think is going to happen and kind of see, see what we think. So the first one being NBA playoffs has started. We've got the one that I'm thinking about here. We've got the number two seeds. I think these are the matchups that are probably the most interesting right now. Uh, with the Celtics playing the Nets and you've got Memphis playing against the Pelican or no Memphis playing against Minnesota, both, both competitive series. So if we're going this or that Riley, who's more likely to lose their first round matchup, the Celtics or the Grizzlies? In my opinion, the Celtics, I think that the Grizzlies had a hiccup. With the Timberwolves, I think at the end of the day, Memphis is going to overpower them. They're not going to be able to pull out a full series win. The Grizzly, the um, Timberwolves are not going to be able to pull out a full series win against Memphis. But I do believe that Brooklyn has the firepower to go out and take over the Celtics. I think the Celtics win games, but I'm not sure. Like, do they have that team that? is really going to be clutched down the stretch. I mean, I know that they had some big shots and whatever else in that game, but I feel like that the Nets have Brooklyn's got the firepower and the Celtics are in more danger than Memphis, in my opinion. All right, Ben, this or that, the Celtics or Grizzlies, who's more likely to lose? I'd have to agree with Riley. I think that just based off of the Based off of the opponent that they're playing, I think that, you know, Brooklyn presents something that is different um, than what Boston has to face. But 
or that what Memphis has to face in Minnesota and the Timberwolves. But, you know, I, I really actually like both of these teams to advance. I don't, I don't really see either of them losing. I think that Boston should be able to handle Brooklyn. Um, Memphis should be able to roll through Minnesota. I don't know. I just, I feel like Brooklyn's definitely the tougher matchup uh, between the two. Yeah, I, I think Brooklyn's going to go through. I, I have them advancing against the Celtics. The Celtics needed some last-second heroics and some really terrible defense by Brooklyn to win there at the end of the game. But I think overall, Brooklyn's talent is going to rise to the top. I am worried about Memphis. They're a young team. Like They're, they're a young team. They've got to learn how to close games. I know Minnesota's young, too. They haven't really been there, but they're coming off of a, an emotional win getting in through the playing game. They've been one of the better teams. The West is just really stacked. So Memphis being the seventh seed, they were like two games behind the Nuggets. So it's not like they were way behind and got into the the, the playing tournament. I don't know. Memphis has to prove that they can close games. I think they will, but I, I have the Celtics losing. By the way, what was Kevin Durant doing? Uh, how, ball what kind of, uh, what kind of ball off-ball watching. defense is that? That's horrible. That's, that's the kind of ball defense he learned how to play by playing with his little amount of time um, with your boy, uh, old man moment here, uh, Beard. Um, Harden? Harden? Yeah, Harden. I don't know why my brain went down. But that's how, far, that's how Harden plays defense, too. I think that's just a rub off. You know? He learned that in that short amount of time with Harden. Yeah, he well, rubbed I mean, off. Durant's usually a pretty good on-ball defender, but he got caught ball watching. I think he was expecting a three-pointer there, and you you can't lose Tatum. You can't lose the best guy on no. the floor like that. Like that, that just can't happen. Yeah. All right, moving over to the Jazz. This one's of interest to me. They lost last night. Jalen Brunson had forty-one points against them. Not looking good. Luka Doncic might be back for Game Three. I think if, if the Jazz don't win this series, if they don't advance, it's time to blow it up. So if you have to make a decision, if you're Jazz ownership, do you go Gobert or do you go Mitchell? Ben, what do you think? Am I picking who I want to keep or who am I blowing who, who, who do you want to keep? If I'm keeping one, I'm keeping Donovan Mitchell. I think that, you know, in this day and age of the NBA, a big man is great. And Gobert is obviously one of the best defensive big men we've had in a long time since Bill Russell, maybe. I don't know. But Donovan Mitchell has the stuff. He's younger. I think in this day and age of guard focused basketball, you got to keep the high level guard who's been willing to learn. Uh, I think you go with Mitchell. I'm I'm going to agree with him. I it's been said before on this podcast today, Danny says it's a TV show. People love to see Donovan Mitchell do Donovan Mitchell things. I love seeing Donovan Mitchell do his stuff in game one in the third quarter when he went off and had 19 points and just tore and brought the jazz back into that game and put him in the lead. Like that was amazing to watch. I love seeing it. I love his shoes. Like Donovan Mitchell's my guy. So I do not want to see him leave. I think if you had to, I don't want to get rid of either of them. I think you could blow it up without having to get rid of both of them or either of them. I think that there's some other smaller moves. I don't agree with a huge blow up. I think there are some smaller moves that can be made. But if I had to make a decision, I would keep Mitchell. Yeah, I don't think these two guys can play together. Like There's a ton of tension there. I don't think their games complement each other very well. On a basketball sense, I would love to keep Donovan Mitchell, but if I'm if I'm really looking at this and reading the tea leaves, there's been 
a lot of reports of him wanting out of him look demanding a trade he hasn't come out and done that but i don't think that there's as much smoke there without something being real i don't think the jazz are going to be able to keep donovan mitchell beyond the next two years anyway i think like you you try to move him while you can get something out of him that's that hurts like i don't like it but i just i don't see mitchell long term with the jazz Anyway, like he's he's a big star. He wants to go out and perform. And you have the potential of the Jazz being left at the altar the way they were with Gordon Hayward and Darren Williams. And I think you don't want to get to that place or to that situation. And so this might be the offseason that the Jazz say, you know what, like we're going to try try to blow this up and try something different. But the the, the problem is if they have any injury or any one thing don't go their way, then they just can't recover from it. I'm I'm worried about this team. They should be better than they are, but they have no on-ball defense and they have no flexibility um, within the roster if anything goes wrong. So they've, they've got to figure some of that out. Well, moving away from the NBA, let's talk a little bit about the NFL draft. So we have NFL draft coming up next week. I know, you know, if you're looking at the quarterbacks in this year's draft, I don't think any of them, would be a top first round pick last year, but we always know every year, some team is going to be desperate, right? And they're going to reach for a quarterback. Like, so first off, before we say this or that, like, do you think one of these quarterbacks is going to go in the top 10? No. Riley. I also do not think so. I think teams are desperate. I still don't think it's going to come to that. Uh, I think somebody's going to teams get desperate. Christian Ponder was a top 10 pick. I'm just going to leave that there. But if, (laughs) if someone were to reach, who would you say is more likely to reach for a quarterback in the top 10, the Panthers or the Seahawks? I'm going to go with the Panthers. I think the Seahawks can still stay calm a little bit. I think that they have the ability to be able to go and sign somebody. Not many people want to go play for the Panthers right now. So, and the Seahawks haven't been much better, but they have a little bit more name. I think they've got some guys. I think that they can be calm with it and probably still get a good guy. Um, I think the Panthers are more desperate and probably going to go try and reach for something. I agree. And, and I guess to reiterate your previous question, I don't know if I – answer that because i don't see that there's any reason anybody should take a top 10 quarterback but maybe if i'm being real smart and i had to lay money down on it yeah somebody's gonna reach somebody's gonna do it and it's probably gonna be the panthers let's be honest they're not exactly your world's greatest organization at making smart decisions um seattle although you know hasn't necessarily put people behind or helped out um, you know, usually they don't overreach on a lot of stuff. You know, they don't, I got Russell Wilson in the second round, you know, I mean, or at the very end of the third, third, third round, third round. Third round. I couldn't even remember. I mean, it was later, you know, they're not known to be reaching the Panthers. That's, that's a different story. They're, they're speaking of people that drafted Christian Ponder anyways. Um, you know, I, I thought I, that, I, what, that was the Vikings, wasn't it? Oh, I don't remember if he went, who did they reach? Didn't he play in Carolina? Did he? Oh, now we seem weird. No, I know that Tennessee reached for Jake Locker, and that one was. Um, I know you're right. Minnesota is the one that did reach for Christian Ponder. I feel like he played there. I don't know. They had another tall white 
unathletic quarterback at some point that they reached for. I can't remember his name, but uh, same thing. If I had to pick, I would say Carolina. Yeah, I think Carolina too. There's, there's the desperation meter is a lot higher in Carolina. They've been in rebuilding mode for a couple of years now. I think there's a more external pressure to find the guy. Sam Darnold clearly isn't it bringing Cam Newton back clearly isn't it right so i think there's more pressure there to figure it out seattle this is the first year without russell wilson i think they can get a little bit more leeway from the fans of just going into tank mode this year play drew lock see what you got there next year's a better quarterback draft i think they could wait a year and not have to go through and do that but i think with the panthers there's more of an urgency and i see them thinking like they have to go get Malik Moore in the top 10 or else somebody's going to go get him. But really like nobody should feel like they have to go get him. Cause I don't, they're, well, they're what, all second round about, quarterbacks. Can I throw another one out there? What about Atlanta though? I think, I mean, Atlanta's a possibility. You got Mar- Mariota. That's not really inspiring confidence. So, right. Right. I mean, just, it's just, just possible. Throwing it out. Just throwing it yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to baseball. So, you know, we talked about Clayton Kershaw being pulled. We also saw another crazy manager decision. If you were watching the Rangers play the Angels, Joe Madden walked um, Corey Seager with the bases loaded while they were losing early in the game to bring in a run. Um, and if you saw the reaction from Mike Trout, he was like, wait, they're doing what? Like, what's happening? It was, it was pretty interesting. So which was the crazier manager decision? Walking the bases loaded while losing early in the game or pulling Kershaw. Not even walking the bases loaded, walking while the bases were loaded to bring in a run. Um, I guess I, I feel like as crazy and as much as I, I bag on, on what happened with Kershaw I, and Dave Roberts being kind of a weirdo, and doing fall on this stuff. I don't know that I would expect anything from Joe Madden that has ever happened in the game of baseball that he wouldn't consider doing something totally different. So does it surprise me? No. Do I think that it's weird and crazy? Absolutely. Like, I think that's gotta be the crazier thing. Like how are you going to walk a run in? I don't care who's at bat. Of course, Seager's not exactly your world-class. It's not Mark McGuire up there. Like, I mean, they just, you're losing already. Why? you're going to take a person up an intentional safety with, cause there's still another batter just to come up. It's like taking a safety in the first quarter on purpose. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. Um, I, I'm going to have to go with Joe Madden. That guy, he's the mad professor. Maybe someday I can be on his baseball knowledge level, but uh, I don't see it anytime soon. Yeah. I, as crazy and as upset I was about the decision with Dave Roberts, it, I don't think it's as crazy because you know he's going to go do that. Like that's what the track record says. That's what the history is. They follow those analytics, and a lot of teams are doing that. So I don't think it's like as eye opener as walking Corey Seager with the bases loaded. Like you're getting the Barry Bonds treatment there, and I didn't think it was a good decision when Barry Bonds was up. Still take your chance. The best hitters in the world 
still get out seven out of ten times. Like they, they Barry fails. Bonds got that treatment because they weren't winning. You know, Barry that's, Bonds is like, hey, that's true. loaded. We're up by three. That's true. They were they were bonds. down. Right. Hey, that makes sense. I understand that. But you're right. losing. We're gonna go ahead and walk this random shortstop who's been <laughs> off and on hurt for the last five years, and he's not exactly known for his power. We're gonna go ahead and walk him and make our lead higher. Like that makes me wonder yeah, if he's got some money on the game or something. Yeah, that was a, that was a little crazy. And then later, he's probably thinking he's a genius because they came back and won the game. But it was like the craziest thing I've ever like. I could not believe it. And I was I probably had the same look on my face as Mike Trout did. Like I saw that look, and I just was dying laughing because he was like, "Wait, what is what is happening right now?" Like he's he was like counting the guys on base. He's like, "Did we really just walk a run in?" Like, okay, yeah, crazy. Yeah. It- it's it was nuts. Madden did say afterwards that he was like, oh, I just wanted to shake things up, see how the guys responded. And I, I think he's like, I don't know if he's like constantly playing these psychological head games on the players just to see what's happening. But like, I don't know. It was it was so weird. It was so weird. It's like he's like Herb Brooks from you know the 1980 USA hockey team. You know, he just does these weird things, Herb. Uh, he just don't even understand what you're doing, but you're doing it. Yep. Yep. Well. Moving on to the next topic here. So this week, USFL premiered. We have another league trying to do spring football again, right? We've had the XFL. We had one of the, the, the Alliance. This is the USFL trying to do it again, right? It's USFL round two. Yeah. Is anybody watching this? So like, I was thinking about this. So this is kind of like a this or this or that type of thing. But like, you got the NBA playoffs, you got Major League Baseball going on, and then let's throw in some spring football. Like, what are you watching? Like, like of those three, like what what is it that's intriguing to you? Like, does USFL make the cut at all? For me, I- right now, if the Jazz are playing, I'm watching the Jazz. Other than that. I'm probably watching the Dodgers and kind of following the NBA playoffs on the side. I'm scrolling past the USFL on the main channel so I can get to the other games that I want to watch because I love football, but there's so much other things in sports that I can go watch and that I can go enjoy. I don't need to be football 24 seven. That's the only thing I ever pay attention to. And I think like, it's cool. You can see some guys, play that maybe didn't quite make it from college and guys like you see names and stuff but it's not the nfl it's not the same level it's not the same thing i'm not gonna miss out on other things that i like to watch i'm not gonna miss dodger games to watch that yeah i agree 100 percent. like um i'm watching baseball and probably really baseball until we really get into maybe Western or the conference finals slash the finals. I'll kind of watch basketball, but I've never, I haven't been a big NBA fan since the lockout of 99. And so I'm sticking to it. Um, however, it's for me, it's baseball. I don't need football. I don't need to see guys that weren't good enough to make it in the NFL, go and play college football, but get paid for it. Like I have college football. Sure. It's fun to see these names you hadn't thought of in five years, but it doesn't intrigue me longer than 37 seconds. And then I've moved on. I'm a baseball guy. I'm going to watch baseball. I'm going to watch the Red Sox. I might find another game to turn on for a little bit. And then I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it all over again and watch the Red Sox and then watch another team and kind of keep an eye on what's going on. And maybe I'll glance at scores from the NBA once in a while. That's about it. 
Yeah, it almost feels like we're reaching a saturation point. Like the big three tried to do this with basketball with three on three and bringing some old guys back. And like it, gimmicky, it can work for a little bit, but you've got too much other stuff going on right now. Like I just don't see this. It might work. I mean, it, you might get, you might have a segment of the population that really is into this. The nice thing about football is it's once a week. So, you know, you, you there's not that investment like you have with baseball, but yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I don't see the appeal. Um, maybe to look and see if there's some former BYU players that are playing in the league and see how they're doing. But other than that, like I'm not that interested in what's going on. Yeah. Like Ben said, 37 seconds. It makes a good like Instagram scroller. Like, oh look, a video from the USFL. Okay, I'm good. Like, yeah. If, if there's like if there's like a top play or something, sure, right. let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about it. Yeah, maybe Johnny Manziel play. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's good enough to play there, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last this or that: uh, pancakes or waffles. All right, go ahead, Ben. You're you're a resident um, fat guy, so you gotta you gotta lean yeah, in on the food here. That's why I should here. get to go last. But however, <laughs> as much as I love a good Belgian style waffle with the crisp outside, you cook it up good. It's all steamy and hot and great. Put a little bit of whipped cream on that bad boy, some strawberries. I gotta go with pancakes. You know, I, I think that that pancakes you you cook them fluffy. You you put a little bit of butter on there, and then you put some butter syrup on there, and then you you know dip your fork in that bad boy and you got three stacked high you know i think that's and plus as my kids know i make dad's world famous pancakes so you know i guess maybe it's because i make better pancakes but dude it's I, that's crusties man you can't like i don't make i make them from home from scratch I, home by the way it. you gotta have baking powder you gotta have flour you gotta have milk you gotta have eggs come on we do that stuff from scratch up in this house yeah and they're always like, do you use dad's secret ingredient? And I'm like, does he tell you because it's an egg that like is the oldest secret ingredient in the book? Yeah, you throw an egg in there. It makes them fluffy. Congratulations. Your kids were very proud of the that. The real one. secret so ingredient is you, vanilla also. You've, but that's you've got them. Um, I, I love You can put waffles. vanilla on waffles too, you know. Yeah. I, I do love a good waffle. But I'm not as big on a Belgian waffle. I like the Waffle House waffle. I know that like it's the sketchiest place on earth, but their waffles are delicious. The Waffle House? No, they're amazing. <laughs> so good. I love Waffle House. Every time I was on a baseball trip in the South, like anywhere that had Waffle House, I was finding it and I was eating there. I loved I mean, Waffle I've House. I've never ate Waffle House. There was probably know. six drug, ad- drug addicts at the same time that I was in there, but I still <laughs> loved eating there. But pancakes have got to go for the win like they're just the classic timeless you can make like six million of them stack them up high and just eat until you want to die and that's my favorite so yeah okay so here's the thing if i'm like at a restaurant i would go waffle because like you know whatever if it's at home man i've got two waffle irons you know how long it takes to like make waffles for everybody takes too long no pancakes like you can just go so yeah restaurant waffle home pancakes and hey, nobody got we're not talking about waffles. that if you want to eat something what are you eating we don't worry waffle, about yeah. making them for the kids all right waffle you got it that's the answer. easy there we go gosh you love to sit on that fence i'm telling you what <laughs> i'm just saying like, I'm, gonna, man, I'm gonna build a chair on a fence so that you can have a place to sit we're gonna put Context a little swing matters, we're gonna put a little swing above it so you can swing back and forth like he likes to do you know man you guys don't like context or nuance here all right let's let's move on to like closing out before we do that just want to say thank you for everybody that's been listening thank you for the comments on the facebook page 
seems like Ben, like they didn't like the Padres uniforms. You and I were the unpopular opinion last week. Seems like <laughs> there's just a lot of people that don't because they're no, gross. No sense of so style disgusting. out there in the world. I'm disappointed Worst in y'all. I things. saw those comments. I don't get it. Thank y'all you for backing haters. me up because my brothers are insane. Learn like, to have some style. Oh my gosh. You've got to embrace the it's so hey, ugly. Speaking of that, cool, the Red know? Sox wore their City Connect unis twice, got two dubs in them. Gotta love the City Connect yellow and blues. I'm getting me a hat. Hey, how do they not wear those on Patriots Day? Like the whole thing is that it's the Boston they come Marathon. Out, you know theme. why though, right? You know why, right? What's what no, they wore? What they wore on Patriots Day, which is Monday, for those of you who don't know, Patriots Day, obviously you should know based off of 2013, but Patriots Day is a celebration in Massachusetts. It's the day that they run the Boston Marathon. And then also that day, the Red Sox play a game that starts at 11.05 Eastern. So it starts way earlier than every other game. It's a busy day. Boston shuts down on Patriots Day. It is a major holiday in Boston. Um but the reason they wore the unis that they wear, so they wear the white unis, the Red Sox white unis, but they don't say Red Sox on them like they do all the other time. They say Boston because that's what Poppy was wearing when he made the speech. You know, they wore those for a lot that year of 2013 because it was not about we're not Red Sox, we're Boston, you know, because of Boston Strong and what happened in the marathon. So they wear those for Marathon Monday. All right. I, I get it. I get it. I just thought. I was like, man, that's the whole point of the City Connect uniforms. Is right. No, I understand what you're saying. Boston Marathon theme, but I get you. All right. Well, we're going to close out today with just the best thing that we saw this week. So this is basically just the, the segment of the show where we can talk about what is a feel-good story that we experienced this week that we wanted to share with you all. So I'm going to start off the one that really got to me. If you haven't seen it, look it up. The Utah Jazz have been doing a, a four-year scholarship for a student, an underrepresented student for every game that they win uh, this year. And collectively with the G League organization and preseason and all of that, they had over 100 scholarships that they handed out. And they did a secret reveal at their training center for the students. Super emotional. Get the tissues ready. I thought it was a great move. Um, so look that up. The Jazz Scholarship Reveal. That was the best thing I saw this week. So for me, uh, I decided to go. And we, we have to say it the way we put it in the, in the agenda here. And I just put old guys. I loved seeing... Some of the old, the OGs in baseball, some pitchers, Clayton Kershaw, we've talked about. Um, we had uh, Granke. We had um, some really solid performances. Uh, Justin Verlander went out after missing all of 2021, only pitching once in 2020, like going out and stri- striking out eight over eight innings and just had, you know, solid outing. Um, Adam Wainwright, some of these old guys getting the job done. And, you know, we talk about the nostalgia with some throwback unis. It's kind of the nostalgia with like some of these guys that are definitely past what people would say they're prime. And they've just been getting like, are they worth it? And seeing them just go out there and dish. That was pretty cool to me. Okay. So I'm going to pull up another one that may be a little bit of a, uh, get some tissues ready. Probably not serious. quite the level of, of Danny's, but um, uh, watching 
being a Red Sox fan, I've never lived in Boston, but I have a cousin that has. Uh, it's dear to my heart because I've, I'm such a big Red Sox fan. So I've listened and learned about this over the last 20 plus years of being a Sox fan. But the importance of the marathon and then obviously what happened in 2013. Um, but watching Henry Richard finish the marathon, Martin Richard was his little brother. Martin was the eight-year-old that was killed on the day in 2013 when the bombs went off. Um, the youngest one, one of the four that died. And um, so he ran the marathon and said that his brother was running there with him. Um, there was also a couple that a couple more that had finished um, and I don't have time to look them up, but that had finished the marathon for the first time since the, since the bombing one is a W amputee. She got to be in, in the, uh, um, uh, my brain's gone. The handicap assessments. I'm not even that. What are you talking about? Paralympic Paralympics Paralympic side of it. You know, she was able to compete as a competitor, um, with her legs. So, um, you know, some of those things that, you know, and I know I'm a Red Sox fan, so it sticks in my heart a little bit more, but seeing that every year and there's always these stories and probably there will be for years, but, uh, it was great to, to see that stuff every time. That's cool to see the running community come and embrace them. And with everything that's happened there at the Boston marathon, it was fun to watch. So thank you all for listening. Like us, comment, send us an email, soundthehornpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Lots of comments. Yeah, we want to to hear what you're thinking about. Even if you're just making fun of my horse voice and getting so angry because Danny had the audacity to say that somebody could walk away with 80 pitches. So just let us know what you think. Yeah. And when you agree with me, you know, put it in the comments. Let everybody know how smart I am and that these guys, you know, they're a little... I mean, they're overreacting, like, let's be honest here. So thanks for listening, you all. Have a great week. We appreciate you. Spotify, Apple. See you later. Yep. Thanks, y'all. We out.